Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of The X Button, Season 3, Episode 27. I'm one of your hosts, Alejandro. With me is the man that will conveniently decide the rules of the things that he wants to revisit and not. Paul, hey, everybody. How's it going? Pepperidge Farm remembers, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you never forget, I tell you. Yeah, no, as soon as you said, because just for context, because um, yeah. something hilarious broke about um, about Tesla and how they were investigating kind of like some misappropriation of funds because they may have investigated that um, Elon Musk, our lord and savior who bought Twitter and has made it a hell hellscape, may have built, no joke, a glass house. What is Knives Out 2 about? A glass house. <laughs> so the and, and and Ryan Johnson was just like cackling and I was cackling and I and, and I posted that in our chat. And and then I was like, man, if you like if you remember Knives Out 2, you'd like you'd be cackling and you're like, you haven't watched it yet. And then I was like, nope. why not? You should watch it. And then you're like, I I wanna I want I want my wife to see the first game and I was like, Oh now you care. <laughs> now you care after like two years ago. I was like blasting you for like her being the X Factor, not showing her the beginning of the story. I don't care you if you don't want to play Uncharted One. Like I don't care, like because you yeah. played it before. Obviously, you don't like it, but mm -hmm. you were. It was not for you. It was like for her. So I found that hilarious that you wanted to you you, you conveniently I, like <laughs> try I make to sacrifices as much <laughs> as I can. But sometimes I'll. I'll sit through like a two hour movie easily, but to replay like an eight to nine hour game, I'm like, that's still like a full day and I only get one opportunity to play a game mm -hmm. um, <laughs> for a few hours. So I need to pick that choice very specifically, uh, which will lead me to not go back to some games that I don't feel like held up or try out a new game that even though it's like, oh, this is the new big thing, it's like, rather go play my other stuff <laughs> no it makes sense like for you it makes sense if to me i always like giving you crap because of the x factor that is your wife very much so like it, it, it's, it's giving me crap I'll yeah it's it. <laughs> specifically that <laughs> but yeah I, I just found that really funny today it was like oh I, man <laughs> it's funny the second i sent it i was like I, i'm gonna make a comment about the fact that, like this is different from the uncharted situation and i was like i'm just gonna let that lie and i immediately and sure <laughs> enough you messaged and you were like oh so now you care so i knew you would bring the uncharted yeah. crap up. Yeah, remember, it's like Pepperidge. My my mind is Pepperidge Farm. It will always remember every single little thing. But it was a it was know. a funny thing that happened before we started recording. So, uh, how you doing, Paul? I am doing well. I have an ear infection in my right oh, ear. That's the worst. Yeah, that's the so absolute worst. I I get my prescription either tonight or tomorrow. So we're gonna start some real treatment on it. But as of right now, I can hear like fifty to seventy five percent less out of this uh -huh. ear. And um, that will be it interesting. hurts when I open my mouth too much. So I'm going to be a little more selective with my word choice today. Yeah, makes sense. But hey, hopefully, um, good thing you work from home tomorrow. So you can like yep. technically not have to like you can you can get some rest time. Yeah, I, I don't have to talk to too many people, so I'll take it as much as I can get out of that. Yeah, good thing our conversations are, more, are mostly through chat outside of outside of our recordings but uh, yeah yeah I hope, i'm hoping that uh, that prescription works for you because i hate like I, I i remember two years ago when i suffered vertigo over like uh ear clogging it was the worst because yeah. it felt like i couldn't sleep at all because i would feel my world would like twist and it would be like so like 
it's so disorienting. Like, it, like you, you start getting so this. It's like the word, like, ear infections are the worst because the treatment yeah. is so weird. It's like, the, it's so specific and sometimes it can be so long. So I don't envy you. <laughs> so, but uh, hopefully you can escape a little bit. Uh, get, you get some catharsis out of the way here, even though, yeah, it's an interesting way we got ahead of, especially after just last week, uh, just for housekeeping, uh, we posted our Final Fantasy 16 spoiler cast as episode 26 slash 109. So, so if you if you have finished uh, Final Fantasy sixteen, definitely give that a, give that a look or a listen. Uh, but enough of that because uh, this is the X Bottom Podcast or Gaming Podcast that posts every Fridays from two p.m. onwards, God willing. Available on the YouTube channel Escape Gaming as well as most audio services around the world, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the like. You can find links in the RSS feed at tinyurl.com/escapegaming. If you enjoy our show, give us a like and subscribe and a review. I saw that. Thank you to the few that reviewed it over at uh, at Spotify. I saw that I didn't read reviews, but I saw that people I rated it with five stars. I was like, yes. Oh, really? Bring them, bring them more. Bring them more, please. <laughs> yeah, because that's going to help us in the algorithm, especially audio is where we're at. Video, definitely if you go watch if you want, but our videos are like getting clever. Yeah. <laughs> Video says they're just because basically it's at least a, a video reference of our faces yeah if you want it's there but it's like audio is definitely where it's at for us but yeah paul a week after finishing final fantasy 16 how are you feeling about it just kind of like as um, a, now that you have let it uh like simmer I, for like a week and we're talking about 16 16 yeah 16 correct? yeah okay mm-hmm. yeah um i would say it's mellowed in the right way like mm-hmm imagine you have a really good dinner and then you put it into the fridge and you take it out and like the spices have settled in mm-hmm. the consistency's real nice especially like the sauce um that's what we're kind of talking about now so it's like it's something that i'm leaving for a like a rainy day when i really want to feel some good stuff again um and i really want to go back and like go through some of the side content even before mm-hmm. redoing the game because I want to unlock all the same thing that I did with Elden Ring. I wanted mm-hmm. to like stay in that main yeah. one. Now that the story's done, I don't have to worry about that mm-hmm. pressure anymore. Go through, have fun with it, wreck some shop, try a new loadout, yeah. and then go back to. The and you game. have the big advantage that I didn't have because you left a lot of side quests open. Yeah, because so you started a like, lot of stuff, and you have you have Jill and Joshua unlocked. Like and like you That's you get to, you, yeah you get to see like the side quests now as them like as permanent members of your party and you get to see things that technically I didn't see because I did all side quests before Shit. doing the ones that they unlock and then I, I had only the it end the yeah. best way there is yeah <laughs> yeah on, on, under my guidance because you wouldn't have been able no, to no you're <laughs> absolutely right um I'm wondering because can you have both of them at the same time or is it one or the other I don't know I would love like I would be curious to hear. Part of me but, wonders because I remember when I first got them and I went out, like only one of them followed me. So I mm-hmm. wonder if it depends on the continent you go to. Yeah, yeah, it, um, it, yeah. It depends because sometimes uh, in uh, in like Dalmikia you go with uh, Joshua, and then yeah. like in Rosaria it's Jill. So, yeah. but even though there there were some moments in like Rosaria you had jo- uh, Joshua with you, especially like right. in his like loyalty quest, quote unquote. So. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that was because he was tied to you for the loyalty quest, though. Mm-hmm. But who knows? I, I'm curious and really interested in unlocking new uh, weapons and getting better versions of all that stuff, and then finding like a more optimal version of what I have now without the strain to like 
oh, I got to have my best loadout for any boss fights that I come into contact mm -hmm. with. Because if you jump into something that isn't like your muscle memory set uh, and it doesn't have the right upgrades to get the DPS up enough, you will struggle sometimes mm -hmm. because I had some like regular fights and I had Odin uh, set mm -hmm. up after just unlocking him. And I was like, I, I don't have the right spec for this mm -hmm. to survive this kind of high level fight right now. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm just looking forward to going back. How about you though? Yeah, uh, I started the new game plus and did up, up until like the first forest section that you're with Sid and you beat like the first monster. Did you skip uh, the prologue? It skips you immediately. Oh, okay, I it's thought it said it was an option, but... Yeah, new game plus immediately like puts you in after the the big icon battle that ends the demo. So basically, New Game Plus okay. starts you like how it started for us following our save from the demo. That's kind nice. of, that's kind of where it, it picks up, which is like hmm. yeah, in the middle of the uh, big Dalmakian war between the Titan and Shiva. So it puts you there. It's interesting getting all your powers from the from like moment one and being able to do Odin stuff like from start and the enemies that it throws at you like early on, like the big Minotaurs uh, with like big health or the enemies that are, like healing others. So it's like it immediately puts you more on your toes uh, from the start. And I don't know what level you were because I was level 49 when I finished my my save. Uh, yeah. Starting the new game plus, I was getting level 43 to 45 enemies. So I was like using, a, it was taking a little bit more health. I was using more potions than I remember using back then, but I still haven't found it like super hard. And I know I have heard that after Garuda, it actually like bumps up in difficulty, but hmm. I kind of stopped playing because I realized that I was still emotionally wounded by its ending, and <laughs> so it's like, uh, like in a good way, it's like just the emotion, like, like how it left me that game. I was like, I think I need a little bit more distance so that I can experience this without crying <laughs> or like wanting to cry, just like seeing, just thinking about that ending. So we did, we ended up doing what I kind of like threw out there, like when we recorded in the spoiler cast, and we did our split, and we actually bought uh, the pixel remasters for. Final Fantasy, so one through six. So I paid a little bit more, you paid a little bit less for that one. And uh, I actually went and played the original Final Fantasy and beat it in like two days. And obviously I cheated a little bit because the game allows you to cheat. The game allows you to like boost up XP gains. It lets you, uh, it, it, it helps you boost up gill. Uh, like obviously the currency that's in almost every Final Fantasy. So that helps sped up the process because that game is technically not very long, but obviously why a lot of people spend so much time in that is because of the stonewalling that could happen with grinding. For like, you're finding a boss that could like completely kick your ass and you just spend most of your time um, leveling up enough so that you can completely clean up the end. Like I was sending you some videos that I leveled up so significantly that on the first turn I deleted some bosses and that felt yeah. real and, and that felt really good. And uh also the auto battle. I even though it's yeah it's turn based thing, uh you can like pick some specific attacks like in your menu and then you just press square without on PlayStation. Uh you press square and they keep those same commands throughout and then it just plays the things for you. And it just speeds up, it speeds things up to the point that I was like, I was having a lot of fun. Like I didn't have to like be okay because you have your party of four, so you have to like pick every individual attack and pick who they're gonna be attacking. And there's also no rhyme or reason in at least that first game of who goes first. Sometimes like my 
my character one would attack first, then my, my character number four. In the later ones, they change it so that whoever you put in the front, you can like switch in the front and back. That's how you decide who attacks first and who attacks later. So mm -hmm. there was just some simplicity in there that uh, I kind of appreciated, and I, I, but I could see like, yeah, I could see where they evolved from here, but there was just something so warm about experiencing the first game of this series after I have never experienced it. And like my only knowledge of that first game is through the parody lens of Stranger of Paradise, which it lifts so much from that game. It's insane. It's like, it's literally, it's like Stranger of Paradise re removing the, uh, the hilarious edginess of Jack, their main character and who he ends up becoming, which is like the main villain of, of Final Fantasy one. Is that everything's like the the, king, the name of the king is the same, the name of the princess is the same. Some of the villains that you fight are exactly the same. When I when I found the uh, the skeleton, which was the one of the first uh, fiends, which are like the yeah. big bees that you find in like the four main dungeons, and realized it was the skeleton that Jack like punches in the face when he's like, I don't give an f who you are, which is like that's forever ingrained in my mind. It's like the greatest moment from Stringer of Paradise. It was like that helped carry me because it was just me uh, doing Leo DiCaprio. Hey. I recognize that. Hey, it's a guy. It's a kraken. It's like, hey, it's like this fiend is called Tiamat. That name is the name of the soldier you kill at the beginning of Final Fantasy 16 when you're defending Jill. Like the soldier that is with you, his name is Tiamat. Huh. Yeah, I so didn't actually realize that. So it's so funny how they like Final Fantasy in this anthology reuses these names. Like even though they're not like exactly the same. Like I found Bahamut in. Uh, in, in Final Fantasy 1, and he's like a king of dragons, like he's not even a summon, and he blesses you. Oh. And that's how you like get the upgraded like character models. I show you is like the tiny kids that then become like adults. It's like you get when you get his blessing. I yeah. found the Titan, which he's just blocking your path in one of like the the early quests. And if you feed him like a a a, a, a diamond, he just like moves around. He's like, oh, so this was the early idea of like what a Titan was. Is like there was there there weren't really summons there, but so many things, so many terms that you are used to, you know, Gaia, all of that, that it's like, it's clear Final Fantasy just looked at all deity uh, mythology from like almost every, every religion and just kind of like incorporated into their games and how that has like continued since like for almost 30 years. So it was like, it gave me a, a newer appreciation for the franchise playing that first game. And it's also crazy that from moment one, Final Fantasy is like a story that always ends in tragedy. The name Final Fantasy, it's like, there's a reason it's called that. <laughs> when it comes, when, huh. yeah, so, 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 so it was like, huh. And obviously in Sprite and all that, it, it feels different. But when I read like what the ultimate outcome of that story was, I was like, oh, oh, dang. That's actually pretty dark. Is it? That's kind of a stuff. <laughs> like I, I didn't expect that was like, the outcome for the Warriors of Light. Uh, because it's presented as like this big victory, but can I spoil it for you? Like, do you care? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so it's like the Warriors of Light, uh, they travel back in time 2000 years to face Garland because Garland, uh, the main villain, is uh, he said away because he's, ironically he's the first villain you meet because you have to go to the Chaos Shrine. That, uh, by the way, like it puts in different context the whole Chaos thing of, uh, of Stranger of Paradise. They were just holding to the text of the original one, but it's just how yeah. they were presenting it. It was just so... Uh, so okay. parodic it was like especially that first legendary trailer that i always go back and see just to get a laugh but it was it, it was just so funny but then like the game starts and ends at the chaos shrine but you travel back in time to face garland who then becomes chaos so you have to yeah. kill chaos at the end of the thing and uh he has set like a time loop 
that even when he gets killed, like anytime he gets killed, he gets transported back in time. And every time that he gets oh. transported back in time, the four fiends of the elements, the fire fiend, the thunder fiend, the fiend, the uh, water fiend, and the earth fiend, kind of come and bring darkness to the world. And the only way to like stop that is for you to kill Garland back in the past. But then when you go, when the Warriors of Light go and kill Gar Garland in the past and breaks that thing, it helps set a new future and a new timeline where darkness never embellished, but they never existed. So the four Guardians of Light die. Wow. Like, oh, so, it's, uh, so it's a bad, but it's, but it's like, it's presented in such a way that you don't realize it until like, you actually, there, there's like a big Star Wars-like crawl at the end of the, of the game that kind of like explains it, that I can imagine many little, many little kids didn't read, uh, and understand kind of like the significance of like, how like bittersweet the ending was, that it gave me more, uh, it gave me a better perspective of like, some of the endings of many Final Fantasies, even though not all of them end in the tragedy of your main character. The most blatant tragedy of your main character is 15, because you actually see him die. Right. And not to mention well, many things, um, and in 16, yeah. toys around with that, like you can hear it in the spoiler things, so I want to like put it outside the spoiler cast, but it always like, there's a reason why it's like, there are stories well, that are end in finale. because you know, a lot of the tragedy, like, when you really break it down, because obviously I haven't played most of them, mm -hmm. uh, but the ones that I have played, I mean, Final Fantasy X is absolutely tragic. Yeah. 13 is pretty tragic, depending on the character. Uh -huh. um, most of them don't yeah. end up in yeah. a good position. And 10 and 13 also have the caveat that they were followed up by a, by a, by a direct sequel that directly uh, uh, dealt with the ending right. of those first games. Sometimes, like, giving happier endings, quote-unquote, to like what what they feel like or giving yeah, a different per, a different different perspective yeah and but, then like final yeah. fantasy 7 technically ends in tragedy but the movie that came after kind of like tells a different story so kind of like but that models that mo that, that models the water to a little bit so there's a reason why they always like change like universes every time that you play one so yeah and i've I've really learned that it's such a genius idea for them to keep the names of mm -hmm. like deities and then keep the designs and de uh, names of monsters mm -hmm. and then everything else can be different because all of that is so much easier to make from a world building perspective. Yeah. That... Yes and no, because imagine having to world build a completely new world every entry. And especially I mean, as fleshed out as they do it. It's like that's for people like us, that's the fun part. That's like, oh, that's gonna be so exciting. But for a lot of people, like mm -hmm. the monsters and stuff, like sometimes it's really great because if that's your thing, but for a lot of people it's like you want a few placeholders, especially like mythologies and stuff. I oh, suck yeah. at stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they're just like, Hey, it's just gonna gonna reuse these legendary monsters mm -hmm. or names for some kind of god. Um, because I I guess jumping from the first one to the one that I played, mm -hmm. uh, I jumped ahead a little bit because I played Final Fantasy IV on the PSP back forever ago when they mm -hmm. kind of remastered that. Yeah, but still um, in the art style, right? It's still in like more sprite, yeah. but but not quite it's, sprite. It's like cleaner. It wasn't PSP. It's pretty much exactly it. the same. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just not as clean as the pixel remaster, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, because that was when they were trying to bump up and make more accessible all of their games because i don't know if you remember for the ds they made like the first that yeah. few mm -hmm. three or four in like in uh, like a chibi in like a chibi style art style right yeah think? um yeah. and then psp was like the next step of that 
and I don't even remember if they actually remade the first ones or if it was just the first few are on DS. The yeah. next few, from what I understand, yeah, yeah, from PS what I understand, the first one obviously like came out on NES, so it had a eight bit art style. So obviously the version that I played was sixteen bit, uh, and so it it had more art than it originally was. And I even wanted to look at videos of the original playthrough of the original Final. I was like, man. I don't think I could have been able to do this one in, in uh, NES. I'm glad that I did it in the more Link to the Past style art style that I got from uh, from the Pixel Remaster. But the story has remained basically the same. It was interesting finding a guide from 2007 that I used to just try to blast through That's because funny. Uh, because um, Final Fantasy games apparently, especially because you mentioned this also happens in seven, they handhold you up until a certain point and then they just release you into the world. Mm-hmm. So it was like, obviously, I found my way through a lot of conversations with different NPCs and all that, and that they will point you about. At a certain point, then it can become a little too much of like exploring so much that you just kind of want to get through. So that's why I was like, I may want to play through all of these Final Fantasies to make uh, to get that my value out of like getting all of these, and uh, that's why I used the guide. But uh, because you jumped to four, I also jumped to four because I kind of wanted to see like what you were seeing. And probably the most striking thing about four early on was how dark it is. Like you start off as Anakin Skywalker, yeah, <laughs> just murdering dudes yeah. left and right. Yeah, you took to, to acquire crystal, and I was like, I had heard in one of the podcasts that I uh, listened to that when you look at Final Fantasy 16, there's more analogs to four than many people gave it credit for because a lot of the conversation was like, oh, this is dark. This, they're taking Game of Thrones inspirations. And obviously there are things that they lifted from Game of Thrones, but it's like, yeah. it's not just entirely from that. I see just er- from early in the uh, in, in the things that I played from 4 uh, that there was, there, there was that undercurrent of like more serious darkness in like earlier entries. It's just because it was in a different art style. You didn't see as much blood and all that. Uh, that didn't, it was like, it may have not registered, it registers more now, like, especially like, going back to that, I was like, huh, interesting that they did that, and, uh, like, your brain kind of fills in the gaps uh-huh. now, and the fact that it continues through that, like, you, um, you said you were still on the Mist Dragon, yeah. weren't you? Yeah. You haven't I, killed I, it yet? He killed me, so I, I needed to grind. Oh, so. so, I'll just tell you, like, the next immediate thing that comes out of that is that um turns out that was a summon mm-hmm. and the person that is tied to that summon when you kill a summon they die so you find your way to the village that you're sent to go to and there's this little girl holding her mom's dead body huh? and she was like oh yeah she was the summoner of this place like the the dragon must have died or something and you like you can make the connection that uh-huh. oh that was me yeah, I killed this dragon, and then the ring that you're given by that boss dude—it's mm-hmm. funny enough named a bomb ring. Huh. Uh, when you get there, <laughs> it creates a whole bunch of the f- red flaming bomb things, uh-huh. and they just destroy the city around you. Yeah, and everybody's dead, mm-hmm. and you're just like, "What have I done?" Yeah. Um, so the fact that that continues and that's just like the next beat before the actual game continues mm-hmm. is crazy. Um, the characters that you get in your party, I think one of them dies mm-hmm. already. Like it is just like a revolving door of different characters. Like, all right, we're going to go off and do this other thing. You're on your own again. All right. There's a new like mage wind set right next to you all right there's this old man he's now in the year. here's a monk 
and they just keep like switching dudes out left and right <clears throat> and then you also face off against uh your buddy i, I don't even remember his name but the, the one that raccoon guy yeah the raccoon guy that is like your first companion like early on yep so he shows back up he's on the other side you've decided to try changing your ways you get to fight him um you have to fight yourself because you're giving sounds, up your ways of being a yeah yeah sounds it's familiar <laughs> very, so, yeah very truly like where's its inspiration on this uh final fantasy 16 rather where's its inspiration on its uh sleeve yeah and it makes it, it makes me appreciate it even more because it's like um final fantasy 16 at the end of the day is a very final fantasy game there's so yeah. much about like thematic that the thematics of 16 are like uh, still so true to the franchise that obviously they used an aesthetic that they lifted from uh, from a very popular and also resurgent uh, in popularity uh, franchise like Game of Thrones with recent House of the Dragon. Uh, but uh, it was like it still was like they didn't just full sell made a game about that. It still they still kept true to the themes of the franchise that have gone all the way to the 1990s. That's when Final Fantasy IV came out, and uh, it's interesting to think that if you were in America, Final Fantasy IV was your Final Fantasy II. In fact, it was called Final Fantasy II, because in America... Which is so funny, because yeah. I forgot that that happened, where they just skipped half of the mm -hmm. series and only ported over some of it to people. Yeah, so the only ones that America got at from the start were 1, 4, and 6. That's why 4 and 6 are usually known as Final Fantasy 2 and 3. Though Japan it makes a lot of sense that you don't hear people go like, man, Final Fantasy 3 is awesome, or Final Fantasy 5 is awesome, because mm -hmm. we never played that growing up. And 5 up. never was like, it was so unavailable for many. 2 and 3 eventually made it through like ports uh, outside, like uh, maybe GBA ports or something like that. So about much later, it, they actually came after 6 was released here. And then, like, when Final Fantasy VII was going to happen, uh, because I, I want to read it in Wikipedia, uh, they rebranded, they re because I think they re-released Final Fantasy VI on PS1, if I'm not mistaken, because it was an SNES game. And in SNES, it was Final Fantasy III, but when it came in the PS1 version, they finally called it VI, because they were going to release VII, because it was going to release a more, like, it was going to be more widely available. Uh, yeah. So they wanted to, like fix the numbering but that's where it got a little confusing because it was like some people play final fantasy 3 and then they got a ps1 and they bought hey what's this final fantasy 6 wait it's the same game so it's it, it was it, it's weird how that happened and i'm glad that the pixel remaster have has them all clear labeled up and obviously the three the two best ones everyone says are the best ones are four and six so those, those are the ones that people call the peak of final yeah. fantasy next to seven those are like the trifecta when you when you look at most like best of final fantasy mainline lists those are usually pretty high and then there's people that insert 10 there's some people that insert 12 those are also pretty divisive and then again final fantasy is became a very divisive franchise like going forward it's like it's so funny people uh, say that there's always that uh that virtuous cycle like whenever you get a new final fantasy people then prop up the last one and then when the new one comes out people then prop up the last one when at the, at launch it wasn't that apparently people were very against Final Fantasy VII like it's it's completely moved to 3D and a more fully em fully embracing the uh, steampunk uh, uh, more futuristic aesthetics and people are saying that it wasn't people are saying no this is not Final Fantasy it's just so funny how that just happens because this was mm -hmm. this is the exact uh, conversation we have with 16 but then 16 also more fundamentally changed from a gameplay perspective so that was louder 
but that's always been the spirit of the franchise and it made me appreciate it and it made me appreciate so many of those like some kind of like design tenets that i was like oh yeah kingdom hearts like really it was like very perfectly like uh like implanted a lot of final fantasy dna to it in a way that even though because i've experienced the kingdom hearts games first more than this final fantasy games i played a few of them but it was like it, it became more like in grand i was like man it's like the whole high, po high potion tense potions thing like the gill yeah uh, which in, in kingdom hearts is money with m-u-n-n-y or monies uh but <laughs> but but all of that like the summons thing i was like yeah all of this i just took it i just took it for granted and as, as I had finished one, and then I started four, did the thing, and I was doing the, I was gonna start doing my grinding to become strong enough to just like clean up the uh, the, the Miz Dragon. It became so ingrained. I was like, I kind of want to play Kingdom Hearts again, and I started the first game, and I finished it last night. It was my second time finishing it since uh, 2018, and I like my second run of Kingdom Hearts one way better than I remember the first time it did. Because the first time I started in 2017, when I got the 1.5 plus 2.5 HD uh, remix that came to PS4, finally both collections that were separate on PS3 put into one, I was like, that's very convenient. A lot of these games all in one package. And I remember playing it and still like the level design of that first game nowadays is horrible. <laughs> like the sense of direction for for that game is like, you're going to be running in circles over and over and over again in many of those levels, especially the Tarzan level. Because like yeah. the game rarely funnels you into the right place, it feels like you're gonna find your way just by happen lucky happenstance. And my tolerance for that was way lower back then, especially as my first experience. That to me, like the worst level possible is the Tarzan level. That's like the one that I actually got lost the most. Uh, I thought I was gonna have more problem with the Wonderland uh, level, and that was actually pretty easy. And actually enjoyed that level way more. And I, re I barely remember more what I needed to do with the other ones that it felt like more smooth sailing. First Kingdom Hearts, if you know what you're doing, it's actually a pretty short game. Uh, and I played it in easy this time because uh, I remember the final gauntlet that is like the end of the world boss rush. When you get like the big like monsters with the horn that can like yeah. one hit kill you and all that. And you get those back to back and then the multi, the multi fight with Ansem at the end, which is like a 10 phase boss fight where you fight him in the beach now you fight him this big monster now you fight him with his monster with a donald and goofy and then you go into like the parallel dimension where is this boat where you have to like fight him while he's like the face of this boat and then it takes you inside the portal uh, to fight like some darkness so that you can like acquire goofy again so then you have to fight the face that popped up from this boat that then you go inside the mouth of that face to find donald and then you go up and then you you again fight uh fight Anson again before like the very epic ending of, of that game it's like it's so yeah i really didn't like the ending of the first kingdom hearts very yeah, much, in game from I... gameplay yeah it's it no, was really a tough yeah um i i remember actually getting lost more in the monster level than tarzan because everything looked the same to me yeah oh yeah the monster yeah that for pinocchio yeah. yeah, 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 that's one. Um, but Tarzan was definitely one of, like, my least favorites. Because you were so early on in the game, you don't have anything to really, like, work with. Mm -hmm. um, and it was such a struggle. Like, I remember feeling so much anxiety back in the day because I didn't have the uh, scan enemy health. Oh, so I was like, where is his health at? Like, I don't know if I'm even doing anything to him. 
and the thing is that you get that super early. It's just you just have to you activate do. it. You, yeah, you just, have to know what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, that happened to me too when I was like seeing. But back then, back in 2017, when I was playing it, I was like, "What are these abilities that are saying like uh, I'm unlocking these things? What am I supposed to do?" But then, when I press start, when I press the start button, I saw I had the set, a menu of set abilities, and that's when you activate it with your AP. And then I saw the ones that scan, and I was like, "Oh." I was like, this makes sense because at first I thought it was a Mandela effect because I remember seeing other Kingdom Hearts games that had the health and this one didn't have it. And I was like, did that just happen in the later ones? Well, will I have to just like blindly uh, fight enemies here? And it's so funny when I play Final Fantasy one, uh, there's no health bars also in enemies. You have to like, keep, you have to keep yep. guessing uh, how, how often you're hitting an enemy before suddenly it dies. I mean, Four, I, don't I think, think there's health bars in any of any them. Of them. Yeah, in any of them. Exactly. So. So, so yes, yeah, so that it, it's so weird that we're so accustomed to seeing health bars yeah. in so many. And uh, fifteen has them. Sixteen technically has them yeah. also. Um, I'm trying to remember because I never played yeah. twelve. Eleven does. Yeah. Thirteen does. Mm -hmm. Ten now does. Ten is the one. Yeah, it ten does. does. Okay. Yeah, because I tried it. I couldn't yeah. remember. Um, so yeah, then I never played nine, so I wouldn't know for sure on that one. I know eight does not because I played a little bit of that, which I'm really hoping to go back to that one day. Yeah, the remastered. With hopefully uh, some quality of life. <laughs> I mean, there's a remastered, so technically that's as, good, that, that's as good as it's gonna get. Uh, I don't, I don't remember if I own it. I think I played it on PlayStation Now briefly. Um, yeah, it's on Extra. Right. If you just, if you still have PlayStation Extra, all of those Final Fantasy games, like after the yeah. Pixel Remaster, are there except 13 because 13 is only on Xbox. I know eight is really good, so I'd like to at some point. Go and back now to me that. identifying Leon Squall. Which is the yep. main character from Eight that it's on, uh, that that it, that it's on Kingdom Hearts. The fact that he completely goes by Squall the whole time in the regular game in Kingdom Hearts, he's like, "It's a dumb name. My name is Leon." Yeah. It's like, okay. And it's so funny when I played it's this back okay, in buddy. 2017. Like, it, it had not like registered to me that the trio of Leon, Aerith, and Yuffie were there. Yep. And yep. this and and this because it was like I was not as well versed or like too too immersed in Final Fantasy. It was just more cursory for me back then. Like I knew of the games, I just didn't know the nuances of them. That mm -hmm. now this time I completely like identified them. And I was yep. like, hi, I have forgotten that Yuffie was here. Is this why Paul hates her? Because the Yuffie in this game is really cookie. I think that's exactly <laughs> why, actually, because she was so annoying yeah. the whole time I had to talk to her. Yeah. And she and she's just always berates Sora. Yeah, and, and not it doesn't she doesn't really berate you. She's just annoying. Like she like yeah. she not like the one that berates you is Leon, like for a while. That's the opposite. Yeah. So, um, Maybe not the right choice of words, but she's just like, I ah, goofball, idiot yeah, yeah. kid, whatever. Yeah. The one like, where she's annoying, where she does berate using Crisis Core in the side quest. Well, that one she does. And she does. always running it's as funny she's... funny that those as, were like my main... Uh, my main experiences of that character are like yeah. the two most frustrating examples of her. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just colored my yeah. whole experience of her. Because from my understanding, she's not that. Like, at, at least not in general. She is because she's extremely difficult to get in the main Final Fantasy VII. Mm. Because she shows up, you at, she's a random encounter out on the overworld. Yeah, she and Vince and Valentine are the two ones that you could yep. completely miss out, right? Vince, you can get a lot easier because you just have to know where he is. But Yuffie's literally random chance mm. for her to just show up in the middle of all the uh, the battles. You have to then beat her in a specific way while she tries to steal crap from you. Mm. And she talks to you. If you try to say yes to joining her, she steals your crap and then leaves. 
uh, but you have to say no, mm -hmm. and then she finds you again to get her as part of your party. Yeah. So that process, I think, just solidified my frustration for. Yeah, uh, whenever I, I fully played the original Final Fantasy VII, like from start to finish, I have installed, in fact, I installed literally all of them. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, fourteen, and fifteen also like installed. I did create a character you did for fourteen. Try yeah, fourteen. Yeah, what yeah. What class I, did you pick? Uh, Archer, because of why not? You did. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I just briefly like got into like the main base. Like, there's like this long cutscene. Obviously, like the game definitely coming from sixteen to that one. Like visually, definitely you can feel the step down, but. I'm playing the PS5 version. It's also pretty relatively sharp. It runs well and all that. And uh, I was like, do I want to like invest time now with this one? But that was when I had texted you about the Pixel Remaster. So I was like, I'm going to go way back. I'd rather do the... Because I have this thing that if I want to experience the theory, I'd rather go from back to forward instead of from front to back. Because it's just because yeah. of just quality of life. That's kind of like what froze me with Final Fantasy IV. Because I try to like justify jumping to 4 be like well technically i'm gonna do it in north american way final fantasy 4 is final fantasy 2 and uh but then i was like i still had two and three installs so i started two it, the, the combat system is pretty similar to the first game but um now the in the first game you can name your character so they're very nondescript so it's like and in, in the in the official final fantasy 2 now the characters now have actual names they're actually, they actually have characteristic and all that, but I played it briefly, and then that's when I had my Spider-Man moment of, like, should I play Kingdom Hearts? And that's <laughs> when I... that It's so funny. Every time that I post that meme now of the pensive Spider-Man, you know what's happening. <laughs> yep. It, it is immediate, like, he's questioning it. He's yeah. <laughs> wanting to jump ship and go play something else. It's like, yeah. you son of a gun. Yeah. So, yeah, now that I finished oh, Kingdom God. Hearts, and I'm... Uh, I started chain my uh, chain of memories because here's what I did. Like last time, I only read about chain of memories because I kind of wanted to jump straight to two when I played it back in 2018 uh, because I had heard Kingdom Hearts two was it. This was the one, but I really didn't want to jump straight into that one. That's why I did one first. Uh, so I read about it. I remember trying to watch like a walkthrough of like maybe all the cutscenes, like three hours, and I fell asleep one time. So I was like, you know what? I'm okay. gonna I'm, I'm gonna jolo it. I'm gonna just do the two. So I started playing uh, chains of memory i was actually playing before we started recording and uh, obviously it's a big oof going from one to chain of memories from a gameplay perspective because of the whole card system and it's basically kingdom hearts with an atv meter that's kind of how i um how i kind of like compartmentalize it in my mind and i want to see how far i can push like i just fought the first boss fight axel uh, mm -hmm. which is one of the first ones you get after traverse town so my thing is that the worlds are the exact same copy of the first game that I feel like I'm playing the first game again just with a different combat system that uh, I want to see if I can push as hard if out of completionist sake I want to see if I can finish it. I heard it's not that long either but I have reached already some point where I'm getting there's this mechanic where in the cards that you pick for attacks that if an enemy has the exact same number attack it blocks you and then something is like you get a f damn flowers that just keep blocking you over and over and you have to like charge your crown thing which is basically your ATV to to re, re, reset your deck of cards so I was like okay this is getting slightly annoying so let, we'll see let's see if I can like really push through but I'm kind of in again like when I finished it just last night you saw my texts I was like yeah I remember how I felt when I first uh, <laughs> when I first finished Kingdom Hearts the ending of that game is like outside the grueling difficulty of its final boss like the final moments of that game are pretty epic are pretty hype uh, the appearance of Mickey 
like the, like how they say Mickey right for like the very end for that and um, the simple and clean ending like uh, or like the more emotional side of the simple and clean ending and all that is like Kingdom Hearts is like the, the what anything Final Fantasy related which Kingdom Hearts is also like uh, uh, side related to is like these series know how to tug at your heartstrings they, they that's like that's why people like swear by them so much because they make you they envelop your heart literally <laughs> they just envelop you and and it makes you forgive their idiosyncrasies so let's see if i keep yeah i'm still debating maybe i'll keep going back to final fantasy 4 i'll see what i do because i don't have nothing to play other than exo primal tomorrow which i think i already have pre-installed i'm gonna give that a try but i doubt that's gonna be a a thing uh and before we move on from this paul like uh you had interesting uh, experience, like in your Red Dead Redemption Two revisit, right? I did. I did, in fact. Um, let's see if I can keep this as small, yeah. uh, uh, short as possible. Uh, I think. I... I think the way that, I, based on what you wrote today from Red, I think the best way I could describe it is that it's not holding up as well as you thought it as you were expecting it to. It is very clearly a game that was made by so many people and uh very conflicting motivations that it just loses its whole identity because you know after a while especially if you play a lot of games you can kind of get the vibe of what people are trying to accomplish with a game Mm -hmm. um like what they want you to really spend your time on what they want you to kind of do and red dead redemption is a game that's made as if it's trying to be gta Mm mm-hmm but it's also trying to tell you this really somber sad quiet chill like one of the i don't want to call it oscar bait but you know like one of those really slow quiet really melancholy stories maybe like a prestige prestige piece piece. Mm -hmm. um that that one uh, movie about the oil rig in the old west but yeah it's basically that it's like three ten to yuma no, it's um I think it's called There Will Be Blood. There will and, be blood. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that, where it's like, okay, you've got this period piece, it's really high drama, really high production value, but it's mostly just like solid acting, really like quiet moments. Um, and I feel like most of their creative team wanted to make that game, but they were forced to make it into GTA because both the previous Red Dead Redemption was more like that. And also freaking gta itself yeah and I, yeah red dead redemption 2 feels like a game at odds with itself like it, it, it definitely is it's like there's like a there there's a tender hand to the prestigiousness of its storytelling and its acting and its tone and all of that and i love and, all of that even like down to the cinematography of random hot scenes like i was taking screenshots all of yesterday that i need to it's share still in, our group in my in my mind it's still probably the prettiest game ever made like from a photo, for, from photorealistic perspective the uh, fact that i had some friends over and one of them who was like the wife of one of my best friends has played red dead redemption 2 and loves it and she says she'll just go into the game to ride around the world just mm-hmm. for the fun of it like when you can get casual gamers like that to just have fun in the game um, I've had like friends from church, like he and his mom will play Red Dead Online and stuff uh-huh. just to enjoy the environment. It's weird yeah. how it connects so well with some people. And then at the same time, there's this entire other side of the game that just doesn't feel baked in correctly. Like one example I told you was when you're in a certain chapter involving mm-hmm. a certain area, there's nothing else to do in the entire rest of the world. 
And if you go there in the wrong chapter, there's not a side quest that's unlocked in that area. You just won't know it because you have to ride around that area to unlock yeah. that yeah. side quest. It's an open world game with a linear game kind of like hidden within it. That is like yeah. the main thrust of it because it's like it's so like uh, in service of its narrative. But for a from a genre that is all about the sandbox, the sandbox elements of uh, of them are like so hidden away from the story. And when you're in the story, they're not even there. So it's basically like the the, the game designers want you to do specific things when you're on missions, and any deviation from that, it's an instant game over. That was like. Uh, one of the reasons why back in 2018, what I struggled so much uh, in my first playthrough of Red Dead 2 was after coming from the game with the most freedom with uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which the missions are just go to this place, how you get there, figure it out, to a game that is like, no, it's like, you cannot think creatively here. You have to like follow specific paths. It led, yeah. to, so, it led to so many game over screens that it was like, it was like ruining a lot of elements from that game. For me, that then until I replayed it in 2021, which is when my opinion of it, like, really turned around, because I kind of, like, gave myself to it, uh, understanding it more what, uh, what what I wanted, and really loving it for that, but it's, like, as an open-world sandbox game, it's, like, it's very lacking. It's very, very lacking. Like, if what you want is to have a little bit of freedom in how you tackle things, it's, like, this game holds you by the noose. Literally. <laughs> holds you by the noose. I... Yeah, I am just kind of depressed about it all because now that was like the game that was really hyping up to be my next return mm. after Final Fantasy 16. And I haven't mentally prepared myself enough to be able to give yourself to what it wants else uh -huh. or continue like forcing myself to play like at this at this point, I'm continuing to do that. My goal is to try to get the highest level of honor so that I can buy all of those outfits that you can't buy without perfect honor mm -hmm. and then immediately just kill everybody that i visit like just <laughs> not even care anymore um because i know later on in the game they give you a lot of opportunities to get high honor quickly there's uh, the strauss the, the strauss side, side quest which is the guy that you go uh basically charge rent to people that or right. or, or, or bribe people for the for the money that you borrow if you don't grab the money for the last thing and then you go and kick out uh, Strauss out of the gang, it immediately, regardless of where you're in honor, immediately you're full honorable. But that's until I chapter didn't six. I actually know it did that much. Yeah. So no, that's really good to yeah, know. It so it I can just yeah. go wild and I fully so, plan to. So the thing is that whenever I, um, when, whenever, uh, I did that quest, I was already playing good honorably. It's just not. It was just. It wasn't just that high. I don't know if it will forever. Like if you're like all the way to this side, it will immediately jump you all the way to high honor. Don't like quote me on that. I just remembered that when you did that, it completely made me honorable, even if I wasn't that close. But you want to be yeah. in the other way. So, right. That makes sense. Um, because all you have to do is just be a little bit over the neutral to get the good ending anyway. You don't have to be super high up anyway. Mm, yeah. And the only so thing that it and least. the only thing that it changes is how you spoilers die at the like yeah. before before the epilogue. But it's important to me how I die. Yeah. <laughs> um, in, especially in, in that game. Mm. And one you just goodness. will get shot in the back, and the other one you're just gonna have like a you're just gonna bleed yourself to death. Like after having after doing your last good deed, the ending of Red Dead Two is so damn good. I love it so so much. Like Arthur Morgan is like, regardless of how you feel about the game, every time that I think about Arthur Morgan, it's still like the the best written character in the video game still to to this day. Uh, especially like when uh, 
he starts getting sick later, like in 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 the later chapters when he gets tuberculosis. It's like there's something yep. how like everything shifts for him, like in gameplay and like in demeanor and all that. Is like they really nailed it that way. It's just it feels like like you mentioned. It's like all the different hands in the kitchen uh, trying to make this did this monster game like many different things and maybe not all of those things coming together like all well but the things it does really good is really good and uh i was wanting to do that one but then i'm in final fantasy land right now so yeah i i think i need breaks from final fantasy i'm trying to push through the storyline um it's still like not the kind of game i enjoy in mechanics as much Mm. but i am glad that they're clearly a lot shorter than i a lot of people remembered and the fact that they're giving us this quality of life improvements make that a lot easier to deal with yeah i'm riding the wave right now of like where final fantasy 16 left me and i'm gonna like ride it out until like i'm hit with the mood of someone or of something else but really enjoying like my finally like my academic study of like the final fantasy series now more deeply after just having beaten a few of the later ones so i'm glad we're able to get that especially right now we're wearing like finally a quiet spell for at least the next two months before like the full onslaught happens. But enough of what we've been playing, Paul. We got a few news to talk about. And this week, after we skipped news last week, now we got a baby. But I think we can try to get through these like relatively fast. So press X. Let's do it for some news. All right. So story number one of great interest for, for us uh, by Tom Ivan at VGC. Final Fantasy 16 DLC options are being explored, says producer. That's according to producer Naoki Yoshida, who was asked if the company has plans for DLC during an interview with Gamer Braves. Yoshida said the development team's main goal was to provide an experience that could be enjoyed standalone without the need for DLC, but that having done so, he's aware of demand for additional content from fans. As you know, going into Final Fantasy 16, the one thing we wanted was to create a full, complete story, something that you can enjoy beginning to end 100% without any DLC. And I think we were able to do that. Parenthesis, they absolutely did. Uh, but now we understand we're getting feedback from players that have played the game and a lot of players want to see more. And we, and we know that and understand that. For us, we're taking that and then thinking about our options moving forward. So hopefully in the near future, we can have something that, that we can give you all. Uh, considering this game sold 3 million copies after a week, Paul, obviously there's been brouhaha about uh, how successful that is, even though like a game like Final Fantasy, I mean, Street Fighter VI sold uh, 2 million copies in multiple platforms after like three weeks in the market. And people are like, that's successful. And I'm like, oh, so that is successful, but as exclusive uh, after a week, selling three is not this. I like, just see like there's a many idiots, capital I idiots in the internet. So, so yeah, it's like, uh, the word amount of Final Fantasy 16, even with some of its issues, has been very positive. Let's just say that. And I am glad that they're... I'll say this. How they approach this, I'm really glad. Because it's like, they really... I don't feel shortchanged having played Final Fantasy 16. Like, the story tried to t- it tried to tell really feels complete. Obviously, there is a seemingly open-ended ending that if you follow the breadcrumbs of the side quests and some of the details kind of like give you a little bit more solid... Uh, a solid form of what the ending actually meant and obviously if you didn't you can like interpret it how many different ways but uh i feel they let, they let themselves the door open for dlc i feel like there is a missing icon i'm not gonna say which one that is referenced but not shown you could kind of see maybe remnants of it like in the far end of one of the continents uh 
and uh, maybe they will try to make the ending more definitive and show uh, show kind of like the immediate aftermath of the ending because obviously like the end is a tiny bit of spoilers uh, in the post credit scene you see things way way ahead in time mm-hmm. so, so you can infer, infer many things so so yeah I uh, I have that little pessimism in the back of my mind going oh man it's not going to be as good as all of this was and I just it makes me hope that they had planned or like they set aside some kind of storyline that they wanted to do anyway, rather than, well, this was a complete story, but if you want it, we'll just go ahead and write something. Yeah, but technically within that story, you they left they would, just the one icon missing that we never right. see in the stories. Like, it's just enough of a breadcrumb of, like, that's one area where they can pick up. They did leave those those little tendrils, but the, what they were telling about the story, unlike 15, feels complete. 15 only felt complete until they did DLC that they announced ahead of time. So yeah. it felt like they were piecing everything together. So I think that's why, like, uh, Naoki Yoshida said that he saw what happened with 15. And so he was like, if I'm going to do, if I'm being tapped to do 16, because he was the one still working on 14, which every expansion they've done is like praise to high heaven, by the way. So this is the guy uh, in, in charge it's of fair. that. Just, yeah. just FYI. If he stays yeah. in charge of it, I will not complain. Yeah. Uh, I will be ready for whatever he has because apparently the story of 14 has been amazing and mm-hmm. nuts and, and it makes me wish that I had more of a stomach for a game like that. Yeah, it's because it's an MMO. Uh, the only reason why I downloaded it is because I got it for free one period during 2020 during the pandemic that they gave that game for free. And they have made a Realm Reborn and Heaven's Word, the first expansion, all free. Like, completely free. From start to finish, no need to pay for the uh, other expansions or for the subscription service. It's after Heaven's Word that if I want to continue, then I would have to buy and Walker or any of the other ones, and then pay the subscription and make sure that I play that. So, But at least a good chunk of it, it's available. So, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just glad that now we know that they know. That and obviously they had already said that they were, what they were waiting is for the reception and mm-hmm. deservedly so because they doubled down on fifteen and to, to only for them to the, to then realize that it wasn't resonating as much with many people so yeah. it, it it ended with cancellations of future plans of DLC the director left and then they uh, what they had written for the DLC was left in like a book so they didn't want to do that like I'm glad that sixteen didn't need a King Slave movie and animated film that's on youtube and a couple dlcs for the story to feel like fully formed like the last time so that was clear in clear relation to that and that's why it was 16 stories so strong even with some uh, pacing problems so yeah it's like now we know and i'm glad that they finally at least we, we heard it from the from the from the big mouth himself can't wait for more from from 16 such a phenomenal yep. game my favorite game of this year still so story number two paul so this is kind of like, uh, I'm tackling this story from its latest development, but big things happened uh, since last week and a few weeks ago when we started here in the beginnings of like the trial for the preliminary injection. Yeah, uh, let's go ahead and do this, get this over with. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. Yes, I feel you. Story number two by Andy Robinson from BGC. Microsoft, quote, disappointed as FTC officially files appeal on Activision Blizzard ruling. Uh, on Tuesday, Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley of the United States District Court of the Northern District of California denied the FTC's motion for a pre- preliminary injunction. Basically, uh, after the five days where they were like arguing the FTC versus Microsoft in front of a judge, the judge 
ruled in favor of Microsoft. So, so, had it been granted, the injunction would have blocked the $69 billion deal from being completed until the U.S. regulators in-house court had a chance to rule on whether the merger hurt competition in the games industry. Wednesday's appeal from the FTC means it now has a chance to convince the appeals court that their ruling was incorrect. However, a restraining order expiring on Friday the 14th, which basically the day this posts, uh, means that bearing an extension from the appeals court, Microsoft will be able to push through and close the deal this weekend. The district court's ruling makes crystal clear. Uh, sorry, the district court's ruling makes crystal clear that this acquisition is good for both competition and consumers," said Brad Smith, uh, Microsoft president, to the Birch. We're disappointed that the FTC is continuing to pursue what has become a demonstrably weak case. I'm, I'm going to emphasize that, and we will oppose further efforts to delay the ability to move forward. Pending the outcome of the FTC's appeal, the ruling removes one of the last major obstacles preventing the deal from being completed. The European Commission approved Microsoft's Activision of Act, uh, acquisition of Activision Blizzard in May. Earlier this week, the UK's Competition and Markets Authority paused legal proceedings with Microsoft and Activision Blizzard with a view to reaching an agreement over the game company's proposed merger, after the deal, after deal was cleared in the, in the US. However, while the regulator has said it's ready to consider a restructured deal proposal, it has warned that this process may require it to carry out a fresh merger investigation. So, in short terms, Microsoft won in the US, uh, the FTC absolutely catastrophically failed to prove to provide compelling evidence uh, in front of the judge a judge which by the way they picked even though right now there's like big people saying that uh, so some people are still like uh, partisan anti-microsoft people being like man of course that was gonna happen the judge has like a son that works for microsoft and blah 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 even though that was disclosed at the beginning of the trial before they weren't because she disclosed it as like uh just so you know you want to do this here my son works there do you want to go ahead? That were in the point at the moment where they could like recuse her and get her another judge. The FTC picked her, and they picked the wrong lanes to to and the worst arguments possible to try to uh, paint Microsoft the, the, as the monopoly that's gonna like kill competition and blah blah blah. So it was like they could if they had focused on cloud and maybe game subscriptions, they would have won. But instead, from what I was reading, they decided to take. Good old Jim Ryan's crying points as uh, uh, as to uh, why they wanted to like block this deal, which was like they were picking the side of uh, organization instead of the consumers and the FTC for the consumer. And even the judge in front of him was like, "I'm not here here to protect Sony. I thought we were protecting consumers." So that's why they failed. And uh, obviously, they can appeal. It's their right to appeal. Will they win in their appeal? Who knows? I am so damn tired of hearing about this acquisition. So freaking tired. How much oxygen it, it, it has uh, absorbed. Whenever I saw Microsoft One, I was like cheering. E even though I'm a PlayStation player, I was just cheering because I was like, this is finally done. It's like, I just don't care. Just like, especially like, I hate, I have hated this more because I already told you many times how it has hurt us uh, for people that play PlayStation, how much this deal has like inadvertently hurt us with like delayed showcases, like in stupid attitudes from its, uh, from, from its head leader, and, uh, and and I was like, man, Sony, just take the hell, just, and, do you see the thing that I posted in our chat with Sebastian, like, one of the, one of the findings that it was, like, apparently, like, even the uh, Activision's on Bobby Kotick was, like, trying to, like, extend a marketing deal to Sony, even if Activision is owned by Microsoft, 
just to like assuage because remember when they were crying about Call of Duty and then we found out that they never really believed that they were just like grandstanding so so that's why I was like um, and it's, it seems like he even denied the thing that would have been like the thing that he's always wanted and he's how the, uh, the Activision slash Sony partnership with Call of Duty has been about the marketing it's not about exclusives and all that it's about like the association when you see a football game on like NFL and then you get the trailer on TV and what does it say play on PlayStation and all that play has no limits that's been the one thing and even the Jim Ryan like denied it but he instead was like no I just want to block your merger it's like I hope you get shit by, by acting this way so and uh I just hope that then like the appeals would be like no you lost get lost FTC so that Microsoft can just close this and then we can move on with our lives and not have to worry about the mono monopolization of the industry even though this basically now gives the go-ahead for any other future mergers because if they let in the 69 billion dollar thing go in what's gonna prevent anyone else from like acquiring anyone else that's the only thing that is scary yeah but... I um, I don't know because let me maybe correct me if I'm wrong on this one because they say that barring that expiring of the restraining order whatever it mm -hmm. is they can go through with it does the appeal actually stop the process at all or no. can they just go yeah. through yeah they would have okay. it, it would stop them because then this appeal would then uh because if you remember uh they sued the, the ftc sued microsoft back in they filed a lawsuit to stop this deal back in december for yeah. that for that to happen uh then they had to set a court date which was in august and the reason why they filed an injunction was to try to accelerate that process because the closing date for the deal before for them to close the acquisition at the at the price that they had agreed upon uh two years ago or a year and a half ago was by july 18th if if things were stopped for them to like not be able to like fully close this deal by july 18th then microsoft would either have to renegotiate with activision for a different price based on where the uh, for where the where the market share is for the company and what they're agreeing upon or pay Activision Blizzard $3 billion for like failing to close the acquisition. That's kind of like what the FTC was trying to do, was trying to like accelerate processes that would force them to be like, if the only the only way this, this can close is if we face each other in court. Because it, like an actual, like an actual here, like an actual court hearing, instead of just kind of like a, the one-on-one -on -one meeting with a judge, this would have been like a big uh, OJ Simpson style trial. That's kind of like what the FTC wanted. Uh, but uh, because Microsoft has been getting so much approval for many jurisdictions all over the world, the only one that blocked them was the UK. When the EU gave them the go ahead, it was like, okay, there's chances. And then if they go ahead, if the, if the US basically gives them the go ahead, it's done. It doesn't matter that the UK blocked them. If two out of three had blocked them, it was over because those were the big jurisdictions. So what the FTC wants is like, they want they, they really want them to they want to legally block them from closing the deal on July 18th, and and, and for them to wait until August uh, until their trial in August. So, mm. and if if the appeal is granted, that could potentially happen. From what I've been hearing, is like their case was so weak that the appeal is gonna be rare for that to like to be granted, because they decided to pursue blocking this deal from like the wrong angle, because there is worthy uh, conversations to be had about Microsoft having all the content to monopolize the subscription service angle with Game Pass yeah. and all of that. So, in console, no. Who is the winner? 
PlayStation and Nintendo. And Nintendo, here's what's even funnier, and why like they lost. Like the FTC tried to argue that Nintendo didn't matter. That they were they didn't matter at all in this year. Big mistake doing that. Because because that's the thing, Nintendo completely eliminates uh, any argument about how bad this deal could be with Microsoft uh, acquiring uh, acquiring Activision and potentially making Call of Duty exclusive. Nintendo doesn't get any Call of Duty exclusives. How many games have they? How many systems have they sold? How many games did they sell? They didn't need exactly. it. So, so it's like that's yeah, why they tried. Comparison on their part. Yeah, yeah, they. Sorry, they fucked up. <laughs> that's what happened. So it's like, um, and it sucks because it's like you want the FTC to be like an antitrust strength. But it's like they did it in the most sloppy way possible. That it's like they're taking on cases that they just can't win. So it's like who's gonna take them seriously when like it's good for having a regular regulatory body that knows how to like not get everything be monopolized. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like these kind of L's for the FTC are like unneeded. So hopefully by next week, so today's the 13th. Hopefully they finally close this. I just want it to be done. And if I'm selfish, oh. I would like to have I, I would like to have some Activision games on Game Pass. Like. Who cares? Like At the this more, point, yeah. The more I yeah. thought about it, it was like, you know what? Like, if the angle is gonna give me Call of Duty and Game Pass, who cares? It's like that's seventy dollars I don't have to spend anymore just to play the campaign. <laughs> so, True. So the more I'm like, just go ahead. And also the people saying that, imagine if they're able to like now that with Activision under under their umbrella, if they actually re-enable all the licenses for like so many of those three sixty games. Like the Marvel Ultimate Alliance, the Wolverine game, like all of those games that got delisted because of expired licenses. Yep. Like that would be cool. Like I'm trying to see it that way. So and also I want I made it very clear, I'm not feeling too enchanted with Sony these days when it comes to their games. So yeah. even as a main as a main console player in their console, I kinda want them to lose. So David learning all these cocky things that made me like really, really salty about them. So let's see what happens next. Yeah. <laughs> Especially uh, and with Sony, it's like it's gonna be some interesting turmoil, turbulent waters because it's like their direction is still concerns me a little bit. Story number three, uh, by Jordan Miller over at VGC, Naughty Dog's co-president will retire after 25 years at the studio. Naughty Dog's co-president Evan Wells has announced his re- retirement from the studio, and in a, in a, in a letter that was shared to Naughty Dog staff and then posted at the studio's website saying. Dogs, after 25 years at Naughty Dog, I wanted to share with all of you that I decided to retire at the end of this year. Wells started his career at Sega, working on Toe Jam and Earl. He'd go on to join Naughty Dog in the late 90s, eventually rising to the top of the studio. Wells oversaw Naughty Dog's ascent from platformer developer to Sony's crown jewel in its first party lineup. So basically, when he joined Naughty Dog, it was when they were working on Crash 3, Warped, and then worked through all of Jack before becoming president of the company. And in 2006, around the time that they were moving to Uncharted. So, I couldn't be more confident in Neil's ability to carry on running the studio. His message continues. Is the right time for me to provide the opportunity for him and the others in the studio leadership team to steer the studio in a successful fu- into a successful future? Said changes to the studio leadership team were also detailed in a blog post by co-president Neil Druckmann. Druckmann and Wells will remain co-presidents until Wells' departure later in, in the year. Druckmann retains his role as head of creative. Eric Pangilinan and Jeremy Jates joined the studio's leadership team as co-heads of the various art departments at the studio, while Anthony Newman will become head of production and design. Pangilinan has worked at the studio for over 25 years, eventually ascending to art director. 
Yates served as the lead animator on several Uncharted titles. By the way, Paul, you like the aesthetic from Jack and Daxter? Penji Linen worked on that. So he's like, he, he has remained a studio for that long. Um, wow. Yeah. Anthony Newman is best known for his work as the co-game director of The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, Wells farewell message continued. I couldn't be more excited about our current projects and not getting to see those games. Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, to completion is going to be hard. But... We've never had a stronger team in place to ensure that we will deliver them in a way that will set industry standards and exceed all expectations. This is bittersweet for me because I have known Naughty Dog for a while. Like I've known what the studio has been like. I've, I remember seeing Evan. I remember seeing Evan Wells a lot when he was demoing Uncharted. Like he was actually he demoed Uncharted two and three at the E3 2009 and 2011 E3 conferences. So he used to be like more like front facing before. Uh, Neil Druckmann and Bruce Straley started becoming more of the faces of Naughty Dog around that time when The Last of Us started to like gain traction. To him, to, to me, I see with him like the era of Naughty Dog I love the most. Like he came from the Crash era. That me real recently, just last year, realizing how good the Jack games were, even though I didn't play them at the time. And basically we're, we're seeing like the the change towards the AAA cinematic action adventure game with Uncharted. Uh, he no longer was directing, but he he oversaw the leadership that created those games, and obviously then that led to The Last of Us, which has been, uh, for better or worse, one of their most highly acclaimed titles. This is happening around the time that The Last of Us TV show from HBO just got 24 Emmy nominations, like the and just be just beaten by Succession over at HBO as like the most like as, as the show with the most like uh, rewards possible to be won over at the Emmys this year, so. My thing that concerns me a little bit is the fact that this leaves Neil Druckmann now as the head of everything. Because until I'm proven otherwise, and just people that have been listening a long time for this show, obviously I really like the first Last of Us. I love that first one. The second one, I actually like more than Paul here. Like, for example, like I do love like what that what how that game made me feel and all that. Yeah. Having the mastermind of those two games is kind of like now the overall overall head of the studio. What it makes me fear is that now I feel uh, Naughty Dog just like embracing the tone of The Last of Us is like their entire identity. Yep. Because now it's like the guy that wrote those two games that directed, co-directed the first game and then was the creative director of the second game because uh, Anthony Newman, he worked on game on the design. Like him and Kurt Morgano, they worked on the thing you love about Last of Us Part 2, Paul, the gameplay. So, so, so it's like, tonally, it's like, and especially right now, them, like, how much higher in his horse can he be that his first crack at a TV show earned him 24 Emmys? Yeah. So, 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 so it's like, um, they're definitely being set to become the studio that will love the smell of, the smell of their own farts. And... A little I'm, worried about it. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that worries me about it because it's like they haven't proven me that they want to do anything else right now. We already got leaks that apparently there's uh, apparently there's now casting calls for um, potentially The Last of Us Part 3 and I'm like, guys, please, please, just do something else. Like, come back to 3 after. Just prove to the world that it's like you're not just like, you're embodying right now the thing that worries me about the future of PlayStation, which is like, you found success from a franchise from less than, like just from ten years ago, and you're still working on that thing. Why was the thing that I loved the most about Naughty that was their willingness to walk away from a project and start something new? Crash to Jack, 
Jack to Uncharted, Uncharted to Last of Us. We've been stuck with the last two for a while. And then the Uncharted one, I gave them a pass because they wanted this, the franchise to have like a better ending than three. That was and that, that was like the only reason. And I feel them now that we know that Uncharted is coming back, but not by Naughty Dog. I feel like, okay, if a franchise like that can continue, I like the idea that it moves to another studio. So that for people that still want them, they can still get them. And maybe the people that worked at Naughty Dog on those games that want to work on them, then they can go join those other studios and keep working on that if they want. Because obviously it's a business, and if a game is still selling a lot, you want to keep... Uh, like, basically, you want to keep working on that because it still prints money until it doesn't. Like, I get that. But if it's still, like, in the main team working on these things... Like, the fact that um, The Last of Us Remake was actually worked at Naughty Dog, even though... Uh, it turned out pretty well last year. Like, I actually did enjoy how that, that remake turned out. Like, gameplay felt better. It looked great. All of that. It's like, they, it didn't feel half-assed. It felt... I thought it was going to be half-assed, but of course, they never do anything half-assed. I want that energy on something new. I think it's time. And if they're still... And, and obviously, right now, Last of Us got a little bit of a resurgence because the TV show was actually well-received. Like, yeah. it, like it's last, it's lasting uh, impact was not the divisiveness of the second game. So, we'll see if that divisiveness comes back whenever they do season two of the show. But if if, if Naughty Dog wants to like to me, if they want to remain the crown jewel of Sony's first party, they gotta do a new IP. Like, get that new one in, then yeah. do Last of Us Part Three and end it there, like end it there. Obviously, right now, the stupid multiplayer game, right now, it's in limbo because Bungie said that it had no long tail. So, it's like... You certainly have the perfect opportunity to do the best thing ever and just completely remake or reboot the Jack series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I don't know if the people... Technically, this was funny. People that worked on the Jack games are still there. That's what's so funny. The thing is that what people think of Naughty Dog has changed. So, now they believe their own hype. That they're above that. Why I respect Insomniac so much, they're not about Ratchet and Clank. Uh, for French, the franchise that made them. Yeah. They still did something new, obviously, right now. With Insomniac, I'm like... Right now that I'm so burnt out on Marvel, we're going to talk about a Marvel game later. Uh, it's like, right now that I'm so burnt out on just that Marvel property in general, it's like, mm-hmm. even though what the games that they're doing is really are really good, I'm glad that Ratchet still found a way to be done within them. And I would still prefer a million times if they did something new. I'd rather do I'd rather do that and instead of just the things that are safe and are gonna make so much money. It's like something has shifted in my mind where just a year or two ago I would be like, give me more Marvel games, give me more of that stuff. It's like I've been waiting on this. And I'm like, you know what? It's like that's kind of creatively bankrupt for me. It's like right now Sony's like getting into creative bankruptcy unless I see something new. Why Sony Santa Monica is, my, is the studio that I'm more anticipating now is because God of War, the North Side, is done. It's like they concluded that, so I know like their next game. We know Corey Barlock is working on something new. That's not God of War. If it's actually God of War, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna jump out the window. Like, I can't imagine it would be after all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I know they have said that there's ways for God of War to continue. Obviously, the end of Ragnarok uh, kind of teases an interesting future for Kratos. A more optimistic future for that franchise, but uh, it would also behoove them be like they need the new blood, like they need that, they need that new, new, new franchise energy. I didn't even put the story here, but remember what I posted yesterday for Horizon? 
Yeah. Yeah. So that's another one. That, that was another the whole one. Like, situation is basically uh, this. Yeah. So it's copied like copied and pasted. Yeah. Copied and pasted. Just like do- keep doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on things after. And this is kind of why I said that uh, it sucks that because they doubled down on this kind of game years ago and they feel like they kind of need to still do them. These games take so long to make. It makes them exhausting that they feel like we're stuck still with these franchises. Um. It's um, yeah. It's like that's why I say like, the the future where it comes to PlayStation first party, the exclusives. That why it was the reason why I decided to like, uh, main more in that system is like it's not that exciting to me. It's like, the last showcase didn't give me reason to be excited. The two new things they were so poorly presented that, it's not. It's just not. It's not as exciting. Like Microsoft, even though they still gotta get their shit together with actually releasing stuff, their outlook of like how different their exclusives look. Until, obviously, I got, well, I got to wait to hear, to see that those games are actually good. After Redfall, it's like, I'm always going to be in wait, of, wait and see. But at least I see the variety I wanted from these guys. And I need that because it's like, at a certain point, like I, a pendulum shift, pendulum swing. And maybe Sony, and, and I feel like Sony's like putting their eggs in two baskets that may going to come bite them in the ass. Like... We're seeing games with less prestige, with less production value, do way better in money, like selling way more, having way more excitement than their games that take five and six years to make and are so expensive and burn out their people. Because there's games that are like require so many man hours to look like they do. Because they decided to pursue that thing. So and live service. At a time where everyone already says fuck live services. So they put their eggs in two wrong baskets that I can't wait to see. Let's see if it blows in their faces because it's like it's easy to feel very pessimistic about the future of PlayStation right now. So, on top of their attitude. So, thank God third parties are still eating. It's like it's a good thing that Sony had Final Fantasy 16 as a third party exclusive for them because it's like I have I have felt way more excitement about a, a game like that than I have had their output currently. So. Story number four, Paul. Uh, Assassin's Creed Codename Red would be targeting a 2024 release. In a link, uh, a story by Tom Ivan, also from BBC. In a LinkedIn post earlier this year, Ubisoft Business Development and Brand Partnership executive Arisa Lagunsat said the company was looking for a Japanese partner to work on the biggest blockbuster of 2024. Since the post was, po- was spotted today by Axis the Animus, it has seemingly been edited to remove mention of 2024, but LinkedIn's translation of the original Japanese text still reads, We're seeking sponsoring partner for this title, Assassin's Creed, codename Red, for next year. Translations of the original text in Google Translate and online translation tool DeepL also both appear to confirm that the action RPG will be released in 2024. This lines up with a February report from Insider Gaming, which claimed that codename Red is scheduled for release next year. Its sources claim that the game is in good shape, and that it would feature two playable characters and a strong focus on stealth. Ubisoft revealed the feature roadmap for the Assassin's Creed franchise last September when it announced Codename Red as one of six upcoming series entries. It said the next two flagship games after this year's Assassin's Creed Mirage, Codename Red and Hex, would be released as part of the new Infinity franchise hub, the live service initiative announced in 2021. Red which is being made by Odyssey developer Ubisoft Quebec and has the same creative director, will begin with Ubisoft this calling Period 3 in the Assassin's Creed series, which has sold over 200 million copies since it launched in 2007, according to its publisher. 
We'll announce the dates a bit later on, but we wanted to mark a change technologically and gameplay-wise as we're moving to fully next-gen, or current-gen, I guess we call it, with the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, series boss Mark Alexis Cote told BGC in a future Assassin's Creed Games interview at the time, which happened at the time that I did that live stream where I told you it was, I was like miserable watching it, and uh, that you didn't watch. So, Assassin's Creed Ninja next year. So, once again, we're getting... Uh, so, Apparently, Assassin's Creed is always going to go like this. We're going to go in a long break, and then two back-to-back -back years, we're going to get entries. <laughs> so it's kind of like Origins and and, uh, and Odyssey. So it's so funny. I went to release in our Assassin's Creed episode, the one where we did all the ranking, just to kind of like remember how we did that one. I really like that episode. So I always say, I need to see this game because yep. Ghost of Tsushima basically already gave me like yep. what I would have wanted out of this entry. So this feels like too late after so many people had asked them to do the uh, the samurai or feudal Japan Assassin's Creed for like so long. People are saying that this is basically the break glass, press red button in case of emergency or like because things have not been going so well uh, for, for, for them. Even though their recent showcase uh, that USA Forward at their summer, uh, summer game was actually shockingly good. I really enjoy like how some of those games look. It felt like they were going back to basics and no sign of live services. They were like, so a different variety of games. And I was like, okay, it's like, we're slowly getting there, Ubisoft. Um, there's some previews for Mirage. Yeah. You're really sleepy, huh? <laughs> you need some coffee. I'm, I'm struggling. <laughs> this this whole situation yeah, with the ear. jacked up today. Yeah, I can feel, I, I feel you. But um, previews for Mirage have been like slowly showing up. I've been missing a little bit more. I'm really excited for Mirage. Just to see like, just the back to basics approach for uh, for that one because it feels like a, the kind of game from them that i haven't gotten in years now almost eight it years feels more like yeah. a, a game that somebody made to copycat the mm -hmm. original assassin's creed than an actual assassin's creed game at this point yeah um and i i want to remain optimistic about project red or whatever they're calling it yeah but them red. Mm -hmm. like you said it's just it's too little too late unless i see really crazy gameplay that they learned from the missteps of ghost of tsushima yeah which were very little it, yeah exactly like all you have to do is just make a few little tweaks here and there and make it nice and polished which uh, ubisoft and polish isn't really the same thing so mm. we'll see but yeah. i'm glad that they're at least using it and they're somewhat of listening to the, what people have been saying for the last 15 years or however long Assassin's Creed's been going. Yeah. To me, like, uh, it being just a new gen only Assassin's Creed game, that's the thing that I'm curious to see because uh, yeah. Mirage is like still on last gen machines and this one says, like, uh, I want to see, like, what what a new one of these games will look like on a, on a machine uh, done just in the newer machines. Uh, what they what i saw from uh, star wars outlaws like a next gen only game or current gen only game from them was like visually impressive and like very like ambitious in a way that i was like i have forgotten that Ubisoft was capable of being able to do that obviously they still have to deliver but that gave me good energy and i kind of want to see like what the energy will be when we finally see this game which obviously is going to happen sometime next year after we go through mirage which i'm very 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 curious about and hoping that it is good because i want People, us fans, Assassin's Creed fans, they love the old style. We got to support this one and show them. It's like that we appreciate them attempting to go back to that one. So instead of Viking Simulator, 120 hour uh, mm. investments, which I loved, but 
I didn't when I did the DLC. That, that's why it was so funny. It's like my feelings for Valhalla completely shifted after I did all that DLC. Yeah. Uh, because whenever we did that recording for that Assassin's Creed episode, uh, I was very high on Valhalla still. So. Yep. <laughs> and then the DLC. And since then, it's it, just kind of. Yeah, the DLC completely tumbled it. It's like it's my least yeah. favorite of the three RPG ones after the DLC. So. Odyssey's DLC made things better. Valhalla's DLC made things worse. So. Story number five, Paul. This is kind of basically a confirmation from something we talked about around this time last year. Uh, story number five by Tom Ivan. A Black Panther game is in development at new EA studio Cliffhanger. Electronic Arts has announced that a Black Panther game is in development at recently established internal studio Cliffhanger Games. As previously reported, the studio was formed in 2021 and is led by Kevin Stevens, who was boss of, of Warner's Monolith during development of Middle-Earth Shadow of Mordor and Middle-Earth Shadow of War. In addition to leaders from those games, Cliffhanger's team includes veterans of franchises including Halo, God of War, and Call of Duty, according to EA. The original third-person single-player Black Panther game has been developed in collaboration with Marvel Games. We want our game to enable players to feel what it's like to be worthy of the Black Panther mantle in unique story-driven ways, and we want Cliffhanger Games to empower everyone on our team as we collaborate to bring this amazing world to life," Steven said. We're still early in development with a long road ahead. But we know the foundation to any great story is to build an experienced team with diverse voices and perspectives, and that's what we want to build, especially with a superhero as important as Black Panther. EA announced last year that it had struck a deal to make several new games based on Marvel properties, beginning with an Iron Man title from Dead Space Remake and Star Wars Squadron developer Motive Studios. We're dedicated to delivering fans a definitive and authentic Black Panther experience, giving them more agency and control over their narrative than they have ever experienced in a story-driven video game, Stevens added. Wakanda is a rich superhero uh, is a rich superhero sandbox and our mission is to develop an epic world for players who love Black Panther and want to explore the world of Wakanda as much as we do. Cliffhanger's game was leaked last summer, which is when we reported the first year, or we talked about the report first, when it was claimed that it will be a big open world title in which players take on the challenge of becoming the new Black Panther after the previous one dies. I don't know if you remember much of that conversation we were talking about as like are, are they really gonna I do that? about this until you yeah. told me that part of it. I went, oh shoot! That was like, right. are they gonna like kill T'Challa and take the mantle of T'Challa? And we're talking, about, and I remember having that conversation with like, I feel it's like, yes, Chadwick Boseman's death is still something that deserves like uh, to be handled like, because he really embodied the role of T'Challa well. But it's like, not just because the actor died, this means that in any other medium they had to kill T'Challa. I remember having that conversation, so. Yeah. I would hope, crossing fingers, that it's actually the Tachaka to T'Challa thing, instead of yeah. So that's what I'm very much hoping as well, because that would give us the Black Panther that we are really looking for, expecting, and even then, like if they follow along with T'Challa's death to his son, who is also named T'Challa, so mm -hmm. it's like it's going to be a tomato tomato thing, no matter how you kind of look at it. So you might as well do the. T'Chanka, mm -hmm. um, or T'Chaka. T'Chaka to T'Challa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to T'Challa. Um, so yeah, I, I just hope they do it right and they do it with the right kind of gravitas instead of like fake, ooh, look at how well we're going to handle this actor's death and this. It's like, okay, buddy, calm down. Just make a video game. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll see how this goes. But once again, same thing as like the Assassin's Creed Project Red. When they have something for me, mm -hmm. you'll get my attention and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, hopefully my hope is because this has just been... Obviously, since the rumors started last year, they've probably been underway now. And uh, they have had the staff. 
the pedigree of the studio working on this has my interest. Middle Earth Shadow of Mortar and Middle Earth Shadow of War, especially Mortar, I really like. I like that. I would love if they could implement some version of the Nemesis system. Obviously, that thing unfortunately got patented over at WB. Hopefully, they are able to maybe do something interesting because that's what made those games, which were standard open, like box standard open world games, into something more unique because it was like a new mechanic. Because if you remove the uh, the uh, Nemesis system from those games, they're whatever. They're just. They're not even proper representations of the licenses and all that. So it's like, they're just, eh, we're open world games. But that Nemesis really, like, elevated that for me. And I would hope that they can bring that design shop into this. I would also hope this is a little further down the line. That when I'm done being burnt out by Marvel, when I see it, I can get excited. Because I feel bad that I had zero excitement for Spider-Man this year. So... And, and, and let's see, and also the uh, remembering that EA is also doing that Iron Man game. Uh, I feel the uh, if in that one also it's like yeah, Marvel is like ah, not that excited, but Dead Space remake was excellent, one of the best games this year. It's being made by that team, so that be that would be really cool. Absolutely, would be really cool if they if they do an Iron Man game of that quality, especially because my last memory of an Iron Man game is that horrible mm. PS3 360 original one. <laughs> so. But that I still have there. I still look back fondly on. I was like, yeah. man, that was kind of nice, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Lying around that game was nice. The, whole, the rest of that game was horrible. <laughs> so. I agree. Yeah. I think that's just how much I really look forward to flying in a video game. Yeah. Story number six, Paul. And now in a property that I'm not as burnt out on. Though I'm not as burning with excitement as I was earlier this year. Uh, also by Tom Ivan. EA is seemingly hiring for a third Star Wars Jedi game. Uh, Respawn Entertainment is currently recruiting team members for what is, what is presumably a third Star Wars Jedi game. The EA studio is seeking to hire a principal game writer and a senior BFX artist to work on new content for the action-adventure series. Notably, it lists Unreal Engine 5 experience as a big plus in the BFX job description. Shortly before Star Wars Jedi Survivor's release in April, series director Stig Asmussen said he hoped to make a trilogy of games. As he told IGN, it's a pretty safe assumption that a third game in the series would see a respawn switch from Unreal Engine 4 to Unreal 5 for development. Continuing the story of Cal Kestis, one of the last surviving Jedi Knights, Survivor picks up five years after the events of EA's hit 2019 game, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I always wanted to see this as a trilogy, Asmussen said. How can we take Cal and the crew to, to new places beyond what we were doing in the first game? We had a pretty decent idea of time frame where we wanted Survivor to take place, what the stakes were going to be, what the tone of the game was going to be, what Cal was going to go up against, and how the crew was going to factor into that. And there's ideas of what we could do beyond that as well. Despite a six-week delay for polishing, Survivor was released with significant bugs and performance issues, more on that later. And nevertheless, the game reviewed strongly, has seemingly performed well commercially, and Respawn has worked to address its various issues with a series of updates over the past couple of months. Respawn is also working on at least two more Star Wars games. One is an internally developed first-person shooter helmed by former Lucas's, LucasArts veteran and Medal of Honor co-creator Peter Hirschman. The other is a strategy game developed in collaboration with BitReactor, a new studio formed by veterans of XCOM and Civilization maker Faraxis Games. So, the two things obviously is like, duh, of course they were going to make a third one, this was selling real well. Unfortunately, people forgot this game came out this year. <laughs> so, and Paul, it came out two months ago, can you believe that? No. Right? <laughs> the fact that we freaking 
Oh, I mean, like, I'm glad that we're going to mm -hmm. officially announce that we're getting the sequel to this. Mm -hmm. Um, But also the fact that that game came out, did so many awesome things, was super solid, was really fun. And then everything else that came out after it just blew it out of the water because we got these like five and ten year juggernauts mm -hmm. coming out with a new mainline entry right uh, that um even now like seeing it like we kept saying oh it's gonna get horizon to oh shoot this is terrible but also just seeing the reality of it like i'm glad it got its success because it came out before all of mm -hmm. that um but at the same time it's like ooh, that's what getting that's what getting horizon this like and, yeah. uh, and and not only that it's like he got buried three uh, like tenfold three times zelda diablo and final fantasy those three juggernauts like um again like the five ten year franchise is coming like back with a vengeance with uh, with, with those three enter entries it's like um i'm really uh so kind of what the, the the things that are like more interesting to me here is like the fact that now this would be made in unreal 5 so and the, the new technology i will hope that that gives it a, a cool leap in tech, even though even though this one being done just for current gen systems on Unreal Engine 4, there were so many places that I was like, that's cool they were able to do that. I wish the game was a little bit more stable. It didn't crash much. Uh, the performance, it's still like to me to this day, it's still probably the game with the worst performance mode in the AAA game that I was forced to play the 30 FPS mode. And also something, uh, the significant boss and performance issues, something that I wanted to address is... Uh, a friend recently that he's currently playing, my friend Alberto, who's currently playing Final Fantasy 16, he just recently before that was finishing uh, Jedi Survivor and the game was just not working for him. Like, do you remember those doors that you had to like use oh, the force? Yeah. Uh, do you remember those doors that had like the ball that you had to push the force for, for them to open and like jet and all that? They were not yeah. working for him and he had to like reset the game. Jeez. And he had the uh, and he had the recent patch. I had my friend Matthew who recently got a Series S and I and the big games that he wanted to play was Jedi Fallen Order and then Survivor. Obviously when he played Jedi Fallen Order he really enjoyed it, but he told me he he was getting lip syncing issues later in his game, which is so funny because remember when I showed you that I had lip syncing issues in my PS5 version and he got yeah. those same issues. I was like, wow, so it wasn't just me. And and then he was playing the beginning training area of that game and he remapped the control of this. It but the game broke for him for remapping the control when the game teaches you to do these force the the the, the force uh force pause that you do with the r3 l3 uh like because the game uh didn't like properly guide him into how to be to, to properly uh remap those buttons mm -hmm. because of how he likes changed things around the game broke for him and he, he couldn't like advance so it's like that game has had more like it seems like even with two months out that game has more like technical stability problems that I perhaps gave it a, a too much like benefit of the doubt for. That makes me kind of because I'm, I'm like I reviewed that game. I gave it a nine five because I enjoy my I enjoyed the experience so much. I called out the tech issues, but it was like they didn't really ruin my experience back then. Yeah. But two months removed and hearing that, I'm like, huh. I thought it, this would have been sorted by now. It's like that's that's kind of disappointing. So. It's a bit of a shame, but mm. I'm glad that it's not going to stop them from making the next one. Yeah, so yeah. Maybe they can just dial it. Like, they definitely jumped up in the ambition. Now they just need to really dial in what worked for them. Yeah. Um, because I don't even know where they're going to go from here. Like, all I can think is 
adding like a reverse grip lightsaber uh-huh. or I don't know, giving you actual ability to switch between different stances or mm-hmm. something on top of the lightsabers, but yeah, yeah, like I feel we're are- I think we're right now in the Uncharted two to Uncharted three leap. It's not the Uncharted yeah. one to two where you really saw the big leap. Survivor was like had many leaps from Fallen Order. Obviously, it also came with some technical hiccups, uh, but uh, at least from like in scale and like how some levels were presented, some of the freedom in it, uh, and so and some of the smart ways that they expanded the combat, it felt like a nice leap. How they will be able to do an, another leap like that in a thir- in a potential third game, it would depend on maybe the technology with Unreal Engine Five makes makes them go even more ambitious than the uh, driller part from the. Uh, which is, which was at the time was my favorite action scene in a game, and then Final Fantasy sixteen happened. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so it's like I, I I would like to see it. It's like the game's still like at its core is really they're really good, and I'm glad it's the success they got. It was relative successful uh, enough for them to like for EA to be like yeah let's keep doing them let's let's start hiring for a third one. Uh, but I also feel bad because it's like I feel like people have forgotten this game came out this year. That's like the unfortunate timing of its release. It feels like a game that came out in last November. That's kind of how it feels like, and it's only been two months. Yeah. <laughs> so. I I can't believe it. It's it's two months. Like somebody showed me that it's been one month since Street Fighter came out. Yeah, I was like that came out a month ago. Yeah, June 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 second, and uh, oh, also a month since Diablo. So it's like, yep. it's so funny. It's like years going fast, but it also feels like. Man, so many things like we we have a, a very warped sense of time, such a warped yeah. sense of time now. <laughs> it's a... Final story, Paul, uh, by Jordan Miller, also from BGC. Capcom discussing the future of non numbered Resident Evil remakes. During a recent general shareholder Q and A, the publisher was asked about its plans to continue high end visual remakes of only the main number entries in the Resident Evil series. In response, Capcom said it was carrying out discussions regarding the future expansion of the series so it can be enjoyed by a wide audience. In the last few years, Capcom has remade Resident Evil 2, 3, and 4, which, yeah, Paul, but Resident Evil 4 was also this year, all of which were warmly received by critics and fans, leading many to ask for other entries in the series to be remade, including the large number of spin-offs in the franchise. Fan outcry for a Resident Evil, for a Resident Evil Code Veronica remake has grown in recent years. Originally released in 2000, the game was remastered for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. The PS2 version of the game can be purchased on PS4. While the the remakes have largely been faithful, some fans did raise concerns following the release of the Resident Evil 3 remake that some of the content was changed in the new release of the game. Resident Evil is the company's best-selling franchise with over 142 million units shipped. Earlier this year, Capcom released a survey asking fans which Resident Evil game they would like to see remastered next. The survey, which largely asked players about Resident Evil's various social media channels and how much players engage with them, ends by asking players if there are any other Resident Evil games they want remade. And Code Veronica has been like high up in that list. So, yeah, I was gonna ask because it didn't actually say what the results of that survey were. So, yeah, so it was basically that one has been the big one from that survey. So, I really want Five to be remade. I just just give me all of that. I, I can know it's been a while, but I tell people it hasn't. It's both aged amazing and not as well as some people have said uh-huh. it is. Um, I think you could still remake six even, 
even though it still looks pretty good. Yeah, five and six, like uh, they don't have any visual blemishes for them to like uh, justify right. a remake. But uh, five Nine, would like benefit from but... yeah. I think five could benefit from having the exact same game kind of like it was, but also the RE4 remake style of controls. Mm. But still keep everything the same, keep the tone the same. Uh, this, especially since Wesker, which was teased in the in the mid slash post credit scenes of uh, for remake. That's true. I was like, they're finally fully re reestablishing that plot point, which in RE2 remake, uh, RE2, three and four remake had been kind of like. People have been wondering. Uh, people are wondering: Is Wesker even a thing? Because Wesker not mentioned at all in two and three, uh, uh, four obviously, like uh, with the Ada side of things. And we still gotta hear about when they're doing separate, uh, uh, the 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 separate campaign from Ada that was in the original version of RE4, because there were rumors that they were gonna do that for the RE4 remake as DLC. So, Code Veronica would be one that I would love to see because that one is the real Resident Evil three. Like the like like when originally conceived, that was the actual follow up. Before they slapped the Resident Evil Three uh, number at, in, in Nemesis, which was just kind of like the parallel story of RE Two. So they're in Capcom right now. I trust they are doing great remakes. Like the, the remakes are like shockingly good. You for some reason before you played it, you had no expectations for a Resident Evil Four remake. When we were doing most anticipated, that that was like. That wasn't even your living your radar, and then you played, it and you're like, "This is way better than you expect." This is like that's the level that they're playing in. So at least when it comes to remakes, it's like give them, give me all of them. Like clean up all even those side stories with some of those stories are important. Give them to me, or even better, start talking about when is nine coming. Like what's like the next step post uh, post Shadow of Rose? Yeah, at a certain point. There's not going to be anything left they can milk. Uh -huh. Eventually, they're I, unless you just remake everything that you've already made, including like the Revelation games mm -hmm. or something. It's like you might buy yourselves, I don't know, maybe like another fifteen years, I guess. Yeah. Technically, yeah. At a um, yeah, at a certain point for me, I'm kind of uh, I feel that balance of we got remakes a few years, then we got the mainline entry, and then the remakes. I feel that's the healthy way to the, to yeah. do things. Uh, to me personally, I just want uh, maybe uh, Code Veronica would be the right one, at least, or even the first one, the original, yeah, the original one. They, I, they, could, they could do I, that one too. Uh, I, I'm gonna be just speaking blasphemy, but I don't think they should have remade the first one to look the way it does. <laughs> I just don't like that style. But um, that's the thing. That was back then. I remember that remake was in 2001. Or 2002 when originally came in, re in GameCube. What we're getting is a remaster of the original remake from 2002 from Resident Evil One. Oh, uh, I don't know if I knew that actually. Yeah, it was like it's okay. like okay. That was they, they, I thought they, they remade it with those no fixes they, here and there. No, it was like the only thing that they fixed was how they controlled a little bit because before you could only like move by pressing up on the stick or up in the D-pad and turn around all that, and then they gave it the Devil May Cry controls at least for movement in that one but yeah. that remake was made in 2002 by Jinji Mikami so they could potentially then re-remake gotcha. it and finally be like in the style of RE2 when people saw RE2 remake they were astounded because people thought they were going to be do the, do the same thing they did with RE1 they were not expecting it to be like a full on like complete redo so we'll see it's like Resident Evil is batting a thousand right now as again it's like 
yeah. in another year, like RE4 Remake would be game of the year. I tell you, it's still one of the highest rated games of this year. It just goes to show you the kind of year we've gotten, just from March all the way to here. What a feast this last four months have been. Oh, yeah. Enough that you, it's kind of crazy to think this that is when we play these games. Like, RE4 Remake was like in March. You had just finished moving. We just replay everything that came out this year and we'll have uh -huh. so much to re-experience that we just missed the first mm -hmm. round. Yeah. Oh man, what a, what a fantastic year 2023. And with that, Paul, uh, news done. Read me the bevy of releases for this coming week. All right, here we go. <clears throat> we have Viewfinder on PlayStation 5 and PC on July 18th. Might and Magic Clash of Heroes Definitive Edition on PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC on July 20th, and Pikmin 4 for the Switch on July 21st. Yeah, Pikmin 4 is obviously the big one here. I want to hear reviews. I heard good things about the demo. They, I, I don't know if the demo was like progress carryable. I don't remember. I think I'll take replaying the first and second one first, yeah. and then honestly, I never even bought three, so I could buy mm -hmm. that. Yeah. The problem is Nintendo never freaking puts their games on sale. Only so. in November for forty-one bucks. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So that's maybe I'll wait until the next November. Yeah, uh, or when the next like, wave of money happens. Remember, we gotta like with this Zelda. Like there is ways, Paul. There are ways. Yeah, that's there. true. So, especially now. Especially now. Like, can you imagine having paid seventy for Zelda? I would have paid it. I personally would have for that game. But, yeah, for that game, but I'm really glad I didn't have to. Exactly. So, and that concludes this week's episode of the x Poll. Where can people find you? As always, y'all can find me at DorkOfArt on Twitter. Uh, it's about where I do everything with the apocalypse happening. There's not really anywhere else I feel like moving myself to unless that place actually goes under yeah um i technically have a tumblr but i never post there so i'm not i even mean technically bother. you have threads i get don't you have to technically manually like acknowledge automatically it? yeah you, because you have an instagram so you have so, yeah threads. i guess i have a threads but that's at angel sword 21 uh -huh. um i never post there and that's merged with like my personal stuff and that just doesn't feel right mm. to me so yeah it's but threats and instagram are some completely different none of your photos from instagram are there so it's like oh, you can, that's good you least. can keep you can keep those, those two so, things yeah, I, have, I have a threads account who would have thought mm. uh yeah it's there <laughs> yeah and then you can find me at a underscore drosegobi on twitter for as long as it lasts uh you can find me at instagram and threads at alejandro segovia 93 and then you can find my written content currently at seasongaming.com where you can read my Resident Evil, uh, I mean, sorry, my Final Fantasy 16 review is it's, it's live there. So, well, Paul, time to go back and play whatever games we're playing. And uh, I'll, hopefully you feel better. Uh, definitely download, put to download uh, Extra Primal. I want to try that one. It's multiplayer. Might, if I decide to put mental capacity enough to turn on my series s long enough to do it but yeah. i i just have so many games that i want to play i i still want to get further in fan of fantasy but yeah i might just let you tell me and then i'll download it if you end up liking it enough that, that's actually fair so i have like five hours before it unlocks so i hope it's good i really i really hope it's good honestly i hope it's 
it is too, because it gives me those like 2000s era, just balls to the wall insanity kind of Absolutely. Vibes. Yeah. All right, Paul, hopefully your ear feels better. Everyone else, thank you for tuning in. We'll always appreciate your listen or your watch if you're able to see us on, on, on YouTube. Uh, like I mentioned at the top, if you like our show, definitely give us a give us your feedback, give us a review, give us a like, subscribe, let us know how we're doing. We'd love to hear more of that feedback. And until then, like enjoy the rest of your weekend. And until we see you next week, uh, play some games, enjoy the sun if you're like in a good place where you may not be scorched. Uh, be healthy and press, press X, X to play. Good night, everybody. <laughs>